Welcome to the Heal Your Hormones podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Danielle. I'm a licensed naturopathic doctor specializing in all things hormones and fertility, and I am so glad you're here. I think today's topic is going to be a really important one for a lot of women, women who struggle with painful, heavy periods or who struggle with PMS. Um, I think that, you know, a lot of times these things we as women are made to believe are just a normal part of having a period or just a normal part of being a woman, but are often signs of an, a hormone imbalance. And this hormone balance is typically related to estrogen. So starting off, what exactly is estrogen? So estrogen is a sex hormone that is primarily made in the ovaries. It's thought of as a female hormone, but men do have it as well. And it is important for health in both men and women. And Estrogen is the primary hormone made during the first half of the menstrual cycle. So by first half, I mean starting day one of your period, lasting until ovulation, which is typically about midway through your cycle. And the primary role that estrogen has during the menstrual cycle is to stimulate the growth of the endometrial lining. So this is tissue that lines the uterus. Essentially, estrogen triggers the growth just in case an egg is fertilized. And it, essentially this lining creates a nice cushy home for the egg to implant and potentially develop into a pregnancy. Now, of course, if you don't become pregnant, then the lining that has been built up is shed during our period. Estrogen is also playing an important role in bone density. This is why when women with menopause have declining estrogen levels, it's really important for them to be mindful about bone health. Estrogen also helps to maintain um, the health of our vaginal tissue. So women with low estrogen may have dry, thin, thinner vaginal tissue. And then estrogen is really important for egg health and development as well. So really important for fertility. Now, it's important to understand estrogen dominance, which is, I think, commonly talked about now online and often um, sometimes misused because estrogen dominance does not always have to mean high estrogen. So really, estrogen dominance is looking at the comparison between estrogen and progesterone. So estrogen is that hormone that is primarily taking over during the first half of the cycle. And then progesterone is the dominant hormone during the second half of our cycle. And they really work to balance each other out very well. Progesterone, I like to think of as like the cool and calm hormone. I, for some reason in my mind, and this really makes no sense, but I like decided that progesterone is blue and estrogen is red. Um, and that's just kind of like, I've given them almost like personalities. Uh, but if you can kind of picture that, like the estrogen being like the more fiery, um, like moody type hormone. And then progesterone is like that cool, calm blue hormone. And I think that will help for you to kind of understand the, the balance that these two have and how they impact each other. So with estrogen dominance, there's two types. There's frank and then relative. So frank estrogen dominance is when estrogen is high and then progesterone is either normal or low. So not as concerned about what progesterone is doing. The real main focus is that estrogen with frank estrogen dominance is high. Now, relative estrogen dominance, estrogen will actually be normal, but progesterone will be low. 
So think of that balance. So frank estrogen, estrogen is high and then progesterone can be normal or low. And then relative estrogen dominance, estrogen is normal, but progesterone is low. Now, regardless of what type of imbalance there is here, frank or relative, the symptoms can look very similar. So what are those symptoms exactly? So one really common sign of estrogen dominance is going to be painful periods. Maybe this is cramping before your period. Maybe it's cramping during your period. Um, We often see painful periods with endometriosis, which is essentially when that endometrial tissue that's lining the uterus grows outside of the uterus. So this tissue can migrate and maybe it attaches to the bladder, which can cause some pain with urination. It might attach to the digestive tract, which might cause some pain with bowel movements. Um, But we typically see painful periods related to endometriosis, which can be related to high estrogen levels. Also, heavy periods. So remember, if estrogen is helping to build and build and build that endometrial lining, then if we have high estrogen, we may have a thicker endometrial lining, so more of that tissue buildup. If we have more tissue that's building up, we're going to have more tissue that needs to be shed when we have our period, which will lead to heavier bleeding. So painful and heavy periods, one of the most common signs with, two of the most common signs with estrogen dominance. Also PMS. So PMS, any sort of like mood swings, headache, breast tenderness, the week or two before your period is often related to an imbalance between estrogen and progesterone. And this could be an imbalance either way, where estrogen is high or progesterone is really low. Especially if you struggle with PMS, hormone testing can be helpful to really identify which hormones are out of balance and will help you um, really have a more targeted treatment plan and help you achieve results and feel better quicker. Another common sign is going to be breast tenderness. So estrogen, high estrogen levels can cause dense inflamed breast tissue. So if you have really sensitive breasts, especially before your period, this can be a sign of high estrogen. Also weight gain. So estrogen is important for maintaining healthy weight, but also estrogen when it's high, it can worsen insulin resistance. So this could pose a problem for women with insulin resistant PCOS because insulin resistance we know can lead to weight gain. So then if we're having higher estrogen levels, then it's a cycle of high estrogen, higher insulin resistance, and more weight gain. And then also insomnia. So estrogen can stimulate our nervous system and interfere with the production of melatonin, which is our sleep hormone. So if you're noticing, especially around your period, that your sleep gets really bad, or maybe around ovulation, your sleep gets really bad, that may be an indicator of some sort of estrogen imbalance. And then the last thing I'm going to mention is mood changes. So often with estrogen dominance, whether that's high estrogen or really low progesterone, we can see things like anxiety and depression. Because again, if you kind of think of them as like estrogen is that red, irritable, hormone, and then progesterone is that blue calm hormone. If there's an imbalance there, we're going to see a mood imbalance as well. Now, estrogen dominance is also associated with certain conditions. So I already mentioned endometriosis is a really common one. We see typically high estrogen levels with endometriosis. Also PCOS. 
So this is partially because testosterone, which is a sex hormone that's often high with PCOS, testosterone can actually be converted into estrogen. So if we have high testosterone, we're going to have more available to be converted into estrogen, which can lead to higher levels. Also, if we're not ovulating and we're not producing progesterone, which is common in PCOS, then we're going to have low progesterone levels. Also, women with PCOS are often put on the birth control pill, which is going to be an external source of estrogen, which can then further contribute to estrogen imbalance. High estrogen can also be related to thyroid disorders. So high estrogen can actually trigger the growth of thyroid tissues and lead to nodules. And it can also block the conversion of thyroid hormones from T4 to T3. So basically blocking the activation of thyroid hormones, which are really important for everything from fertility to metabolism to growth and development. Um, So you can see how estrogen dominance is not just about painful, heavy periods. It really can impact every system in our body. All right. So maybe you are listening to these symptoms and saying, check, check, check. Every single one of these sounds like me. And you're wondering how did I end up here? How, why do I have high estrogen, but maybe my sister or my best friend doesn't seem to struggle with this. And there are many ways that we can become estrogen dominant and really the world that we live in now kind of sets us up for it. So one way is external sources of estrogen. So one example of this would be meat from animals that have been fed hormones to help stimulate their growth so that we can harvest more meat from them or dairy from animals that have been fed these hormones. These hormones are going to be in the meat and dairy, and then those hormones are then going to be entering our bodies when we consume these foods. Also, things like processed foods, because our liver is responsible for breaking down estrogen during the first two steps of estrogen detox. So if we're eating processed foods or drinking a lot of alcohol that are going to be harder on the liver to process, then our liver is not going to be able to clear estrogen as efficiently. Another external source is, like I mentioned, the birth control pill, which does contain estrogen. So especially if you're somebody who was put on estrogen as a teenager or put on the birth control pill as a teenager and has been on it for 5, 10, 15 years, you may find that when you come off the birth control pill, you want to work with a naturopathic or functional medicine doctor to really help support your body's ability to clear out any extra estrogen. So when our body is breaking down estrogen, it's broken down in the liver first and then in the gut. So one way that you can really support your body's breakdown of estrogen, which in return will help heal those symptoms like painful, heavy periods, is to love your liver. So one way to do this is going to be to reduce alcohol. Of course, I think that's a really obvious one. And then eating liver-loving foods. So this is going to be things like leafy greens, so spinach, kale, cabbage, garlic, onions, lemon. So adding something even as simple as like lemon water into your daily routine. Artichokes are a really great vegetable for supporting liver health. And then any sort of cruciferous vegetable, so things like broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, aiming to eat at least three cups of cruciferous vegetables weekly 
if not even one cup daily would really be ideal, um, can be helpful for supporting your body's ability to get rid of any extra estrogen. Other ways you can support liver health, potentially taking a B-complex might be helpful. Um, and then certain teas can help support liver health. So things like dandelion root tea or milk thistle tea can be helpful. And as always, these are just, you know, this is just information for you to take to your doctor. You should never start a supplement or a new therapy without speaking to one first because not all bodies are the same and your needs are going to be unique to you. So we've gone through the liver, estrogen has been broken down. Now we're moving on to the gut. And the gut is actually an interesting place for estrogen detox because there's a set of bacteria called the estrobilome, which I love that name. Um, but there's a set of bacteria that specifically helps to break down estrogen. So really important to have a good gut health. So one way is going to be to have a high quality probiotic and then reducing things that may cause inflammation to the gut. So inflammatory foods, things like processed foods, fried foods, alcohol, things like this. By eating those liver loving foods that we talked about, those are going to be anti-inflammatory and supporting gut health as well. And then making sure you're pooping every day. So we eliminate estrogen through our poop. And if we're constipated and our stool is sitting in our digestive tract and estrogen is sitting in the digestive tract, there's actually an enzyme in our gut that can basically make estrogen available for the body to reabsorb it and bring it back into our system. So if we are not pooping every day and estrogen is just sitting in the gut, and it's allowing, and we're allowing it to be reabsorbed, then estrogen levels are going to increase. So making sure you're getting enough fiber is really important to support daily bowel movements. So of course, staying hydrated is number one, but then ways that you can add fiber to your diet, making half of your plate veggies, super simple, takes minimal thought as far as, you know, counting how much fiber you're going to be taking, just fill half of your plate with veggies. Also adding things like chia seeds or flax seeds to your yogurt, your smoothies, your oatmeal, things like this. Um, with flax seeds, you always want to make sure that you're eating them ground. So if you go to the store, you can find flax seeds as whole seeds. They're super tiny, or you can find them ground up. And it's important that you eat them ground up because um, if, they, if they're whole, then you're really not going to get the nutritional benefit from the flax seeds because they have this really thick coat on the outside of the seed that is really like, nearly impossible for our digestive system to break through. So just making sure you're either buying them ground, storing them in the fridge, or if you buy them whole, you grind them yourself in the coffee grinder. And then adding things like beans to salads or soups, and then choosing whole grains like quinoa, oats, and brown rice are just simple ways to increase your fiber. So other ways that we can become estrogen dominant, I kind of already mentioned PCOS, um, but when we're not ovulating, we are not making progesterone, and we're going to see that imbalance between estrogen and progesterone. So along with PCOS, if we are not eating enough calories and we're over-exercising, we may not be ovulating. And this is because our body basically says we do not have enough calories. We don't have enough energy to sustain this body. 
So we need to make sure that we are not ovulating so that we don't get pregnant because we do not have enough energy or calories to sustain a growing baby. So if you have not had your period for months at a time, and maybe you are one of those people that exercises twice a day and maybe skips breakfast, um, you may want to think, you know, is that really serving your reproductive health and your hormones in the best way? Now, this is something that I struggled with for nearly two years when I was a ballet dancer and I was struggling with my eating disorder. I lost my period for two years and you know, being 19, 20 years old, I thought, sweet, I don't have a period. This is great. You know, I was in a leotard and tights every day. I didn't have to deal with it. It was really lovely. But um, also in the back of my head, I thought, you know, will this impact my fertility someday? And, you know, should I be concerned about this? Um, so it is really important that you are having a period. Um, I know that sometimes it can seem convenient not to, but it is an indicator of our health and it's important to have one regularly. So the last thing I'm going to touch on for estrogen dominance in terms of how we can kind of control it is just becoming aware of what we're using in our personal care products and in our cleaning products. So in the environment, there are you know thousands of chemicals and many of these chemicals can actually mimic our hormones in our body. So these chemicals enter our body and our body thinks that it's estrogen and it will act similarly to estrogen. So becoming familiar with what products you're using and what is actually non-toxic versus maybe what is just really well marketed as non-toxic um, is really important. So I could do, and I will do an entire episode just on environmental toxins, but just kind of get you started one of the most helpful things for me as a consumer is using the Environmental Working Group's Healthy Living app. So it's called Healthy Living. It's a little green app you can download. And the Environmental Working Group is a nonprofit organization that basically is focused on educating consumers so they know exactly what they are consuming. So I love this app because they allow you to search for products, but also just scan barcodes. And say you're in a store and you're shopping for shampoo and you scan the barcode on the shampoo and then this app will give you a safety rating from one to 10, 10 being very toxic, one being the least toxic. And it will even break down each individual ingredient, give that its own safety rating and then say how this ingredient impacts your health. So it'll say, you know, it impacts your nervous system or it impacts your reproductive system based on studies. So when I'm looking for a product, I try to choose products that rank a four or less. Now, I always recommend do not go into your bathroom or your, you know, cleaning closet pantry and start scanning everything because it will be very overwhelming. But I usually recommend just starting with whatever next product you buy. So next time you run out of hand soap and you go to the store, maybe scan what you had at home. And if it ranks four or less, great. Keep, keep shopping with that. If it ranks a little bit higher and you do want to get something that's a little, little bit more non-toxic, then replace that. And it's really small changes over time that are going to add up and make a big difference in one year, five years, 10 years from now. 
you know, if you think about it, if you just replace everything one by one as you go to the store, then in a year, your home is going to be so much cleaner than it is today. And there's no need for you to go out and like throw everything away in your house that is going to just cause more stress than it's worth. Um, but just slowly becoming more informed on what you're actually putting on your skin or, you know, brushing your teeth with. All right. So now, you know, maybe you're getting some idea that your estrogen could be high. You're getting some ideas for starting to support healthy estrogen levels. Maybe you are really wanting to um, get a clearer picture of exactly what is going on with your hormones. So I want to talk a little bit about testing hormones. So if you were to go to your primary care or your gynecologist and ask for them to test your estrogen, they are likely going to do a blood test and they are going to test a type of estrogen called estradiol, which is just one type of estrogen. We have different types. That is the primary estrogen in women who have not gone through menopause yet. Now, some doctors, if they work a lot with hormones, they may think to test your hormones at a particular time during your cycle, which of course is going to be important because our hormones are changing throughout the cycle. So if you aren't considering where in your cycle you're at, you're not going to know what you should be comparing your hormone results to. Not all doctors will think to do this. I've seen plenty of women who have gotten their hormones tested. And when I ask, you know, at what point in your cycle were you, they say, I have no idea. My doctor like didn't, didn't really seem to care about that. So that's one kind of hurdle with blood testing with hormones. I also don't love blood testing with hormones because it's not giving us a whole picture of how is your body breaking down and using these hormones, which is of course really important especially with estrogen, because, you know, if you're, if your body's not able to break it down, then we're going to see levels start to back up and build up. So I use a test called the Dutch test and it stands for dried urine test of comprehensive hormones. And this is a urine test. And essentially when I run it with my patients, I have the lab order the test kit for them and send it to their house. And then they collect the urine test usually around day 21 of their cycle, which is about 21 days after the first day of your period. Now that will vary slightly depending on the woman's cycle. If you don't have a period, you can still collect this test as well. Um, and then they collect their samples. It's a urine sample that you collect four different samples over a 24 hour period. And then they mail the test kit back to the lab. The lab sends me the results. And then we meet virtually to go over the results and discuss next steps. And I really love this hormone panel because it looks at everything from how is your body breaking down estrogen to are you producing progesterone to what are your adrenal glands doing? Are they overproducing testosterone, which could then lead to higher estrogen levels? It's just so insightful. And I really think it's something that every woman should do at least once in her life, if not every year, if you can manage it. Um, I'm actually getting ready to do it for myself again in about a week, which will be the right timing for me. Um, it's something that ins unfortunately insurance doesn't cover, but you can use your HSA or FSA for. Um, and I think, you know, especially if you struggle with painful periods or infertility, I think that this is just, it provides so, so much good information that can really clarify how you should be supporting your hormones so you're not shooting in the dark and just trying to guess if your estrogen is high or guess if your progesterone is low. 
So if that's something that you are interested in, I will leave a link in the show notes. Um, and I, something like, like I said, I run it with many of my patients, almost all of my patients actually. Um, and you can just purchase the test kit online. The lab will send it to your house and then you and I will meet virtually to go over your results and discuss, you know, what you need to do to get your hormones in balance and really just feel at your best because, you know, painful, heavy periods, PMS, so common. And I remember, you know, even as a teenager being told, like, if your period is like this, it's just going to be like this. And if your period's not like this, then you're just lucky. And it's just kind of luck of the draw and you have no control over it. You know, maybe it's genetics, maybe it's not. Um, but that's really just not the case. And I have worked with women who have had painful periods, heavy periods for a decade. And after just a few months of supporting their hormones, they're like, I have had a pain-free period for the first time in my life. So it's absolutely possible to do. Um, you just need the information and the right support to do so. So as always, if you have any questions or topic requests, you can DM me. Um, and I share a ton of information on my Instagram and TikTok at Dr. Danielle period ND. And then if you're not already, just click follow um, on the podcast and the little bell icon, which will notify you when a new episode is posted so you don't miss out on any of this information. Um, if you have anyone in your life, a sister, a friend, um, even a mom who you think could benefit from this, definitely send it to them. Um, you know, the more women who can have this education, the better. Um, you know, I think it's, it's insane how long it took me to learn about my body when this is, you know, I've been studying health and wellness for, you know, pretty much my whole adult life. Um, so I know that, that the information is needed, um, and women just really need access to it, which is why I am so excited to be creating this space with you all. All right. Well, I look forward to talking with you next time and I hope you have a great day.